Hey, welcome back to Bankrupt Overland. Back at you with another good one this week. We have Sir William Goes joining the crew. What's up, dude? What's happening? Where are you at now? I am in uh, New Mexico. And I was just telling you guys, I was setting out today to to beat the bidder, to have the best background for the podcast. <laughs> so that was my goal for today. And I think I got it. I'm set up on the, uh, on the ledge of this, uh, this little lake here. And uh, I know most of the people are listening, but uh, you guys have saw it. There's a sunset that I'm looking at right over here with some mountains. And then uh, this lake will be dried up in about a month. So we made it just in time behind me, is some mm. cactuses. And nice. uh, to start things off, I've got some of this Jefferson oh. Ocean. That, yeah. That <laughs> else small batch whiskey in Arkansas. So there you I'm go. gonna go ahead and take a little Cheers. Of this here. Cheers. Cheers. So I think the only thing that's missing is a uh, Will you in a bikini? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that. The last time I ended up on the list, it was. It was oh, a nightmare. you're already on the Although list. Although I will that. say, though, you guys are quite lucky because it's New Mexico and uh, you know, no legislation. It's a little bit tougher to catch me after 420. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. Make- that's great. Well, as usual, we have. Jeff and Steve with us tonight. How are y'all doing, guys? What's up, man? Doing well. Doing good, man. Just happy to happy to chat with you guys again. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So starting off, we always talk about kind of what we did the last week. If we got any adventures, if we fixed anything, if we created anything. And I think uh, from the Instagram stories, everybody's done a little bit of something in the last week mm-hmm. here. So uh let's start with steve i saw you did some cool some cool stuff last (laughs) night what what, what you got going on yeah so uh i did something it's probably pretty pretty tame compared to the other stuff that i've done but uh um, i've moved a um a bracket around in my drawers so landshark outfitters uh they have a a little mechanism that when you close the drawer, it's kind of like a tactile feel. So you get like a click and just kind of make sure that it's seated in there, at least with the reef drawers, his new stuff. Um, and you have that on the top and bottom shelf. Uh, but what I've done is because I also utilize uh, his whale tail, um, which is, uh, I guess whale a tail. shelf off of, yeah, <laughs> it's a whale tail. <laughs> talking about bikinis or are we talking like about girlfriend I have. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'm proud of the whale tail because I was kind of worked in conjunction with him. I said, hey, I have this idea. Let me see if you could put your magic to it. And now he sells it on his store. So I'm uh, I'm kind of proud of it. But basically all You're it kind does of a big is deal. A, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just happy to be on this podcast, you know, giving you guys exposure. So <laughs> no <You're> um, influencer. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. No, I'm not influencing anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all it does is it, it uh, latches onto the front of the drawer and gives you kind of a, a shelf that you can either chop uh, onions, garlic, you know, work on, do whatever you want. So, but that bracket on my on the top shelf was interfering, so I just moved that over, and um, now it's perfect. So now I can have kind of a two tiered workstation, so I can work on the uh, tailgate of the LX, and then have the whale tail on top of the drawer. So it worked out perfect. Super easy mod, but hey, something to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> nice. 
Nice. As long as you're doing something, that works. For sure. Yeah, I was impressed. I saw the I was looking at the stories and I saw your organization kind of all laid out with with all your kitchen yeah. supplies in your drawer and I was like, "Man, I need to spend a couple <laughs> hours." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, man. Well, Jeff, we're we're surprised you, you made it on. You uh you just got done doing a whole bunch of traveling, man. Nope. Oh man, yeah. But thanks to you assholes, I ended up building a trailer and I got to actually <laughs> use it for the first time. So I was looking back at the episode where we did the conversation about trailers and that was January 19th. So let's call it April 19th. It's basically three months um, start to finish of actually getting the idea from you guys to actually build the trailer. Wow. So actually use it for the first time um last friday saturday sunday monday tuesday so i had you know five days out um took the whole family um two adults two kids and two dogs to north carolina to the pisgah pisgah national forest and we spent you know five five days there four nights in the trailer Mm -hmm. And I was, I mean, not to lie, I was pretty nervous to get that thing on the road, man. <laughs> I, uh, I, I basically cut the spindles off and welded them on, and my welder's only a 110, so it wasn't really enough to penetrate the one-inch thick spindles. But, it, <laughs> I mean, every bump for the first, like, 100 miles, I'm like, oh, God, is this thing just going to fucking Here we go. Your wheels are still there. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to snap off? I bought brand new tires just in case I didn't, um, you know, have them on straight in case they were wearing and smoking the whole way. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with how it drove. Um, it's amazing. Made it. I mean, I don't think I could have taken a more hilly way than I did um, <laughs> because I went through some backcountry towns in North Carolina and I went up and over this mountain. And at, sometimes I was in first gear just at like 3,500 RPMs, just sitting there, Oof. just grinding up this hill. <laughs> Got about eight miles of the gallon average the whole trip, Oof. which Oof, I'm fine damn. with. Um, but yeah, I ended up doing like, I think it was close to almost 600 miles. Um, oh, that's awesome. And yeah, the trailer worked great. Only had um, one leak in the corner where I drilled the tail light um, and didn't put any sealant in it. So pretty happy with that. Um, oh, yeah. Slept us all great. Fired up the diesel heater two of the two of the four nights because it got down in the 40s. And I don't have any insulation, but you know, diesel heater kept us nice and warm, kept us about 65, 70 degrees inside. And yeah, I had an awesome time. Ton of ton of things I'm gonna kind of tweak or change on it just to make yep. it a little bit um easier so it's actually good to get out and actually use it um nice shakedown run yeah shakedown run and, that's a heck of a shakedown uh, yeah shakedown <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely was so Impressive. i still have to put the the new axle i'm buying a new axle that's going to be about i think about 10 inches wider maybe 12 inches wider um is it a solid a, axle or is it like one of those timber end things or no it's that? it's just the solid axle with leaf springs um perfect I want to do a timber in, but I don't think I'll be taking on any trails where it won't clear because <laughs> my my truck has axles across. So if my truck yeah, is scraping. Yeah, just do leaf springs, man. It's it's far better. Yeah, it's simple, and I don't have to beef up yeah. the frame as much. So, yeah, I'm going to be ordering a new axle, a 3,500-pound axle, 
and then I'm, I'm probably going to get some brakes on it, electronic brakes, so I can hook them up in the future for like the big passes in case I have to do an emergency stop. Mm, um, that's big smart. passes. Yeah. Yeah, out in, uh, out in North Carolina, it gets, it's, it's more of tight passes more so than it is big passes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, what, what did you start off with as far as a base for that trailer? <laughs> I mean, a piece of shit. <laughs> it was, it was because I saw it had lawnmower wheels on it. My lawnmower had bigger tires than it had on it in the first place. So, yeah, that That's was amazing. That was one of the things. I mean, the tires I think were about two and a half to three inches wide, like contact patch. So, it was, it was a small patch that's why i got some honda civic wheels and and had to use those but um yeah i got a 3500 pound axle that i'm going to order with electronic brakes that i can hook up in the future that'll be cool with some 30 34s or something 33s Ooh. Mm. Mm. Nice. Hey girl. it'll look it'll what look good Jeff. it'll look good it, it definitely looks a little undersized looks like it drove through some cold weather you know if you know what i'm saying <laughs> I, I must say though, Jeff, I was impressed that you took that thing out and you got it all ready to go. But one of the first things that I saw was whenever you pulled up to a to an already like established campground. I was like, oh man! I was really hoping, but you did have the wife and kids with you, so I was like, okay, he gets a pass. It's a little pass time. right there. You got the wife, you got the kids with you. If shit goes sour with all of them, it's it's a little different than if it's just you. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're. I mean, it's pretty much off grid. There was no hookups or anything. There's no. I mean, I had all the water I needed, so I did like to pretend like I was off grid, but I was on grid. So yeah, that's awesome. Self sufficient. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that well, was that's my exciting dude. My, my adventure. I had one issue with my. It's funny. We. I was talking to Steve about this. I was talking about our dual batteries last episode, mm-hmm. and when I wired my DC to DC charger, I didn't realize I used some junk wire, and it was the copper clad aluminum wire. And I went back in my Amazon cart, and I realized that it was it was a ten gauge copper cap, copper clad aluminum, and it wasn't mm-hmm. even the AW, AWG the AUG like American wire gauge. So I think it was it was probably like oh, a twelve so probably, yeah. twelve or fourteen gauge actual wire, and the wire from my um, starter battery to the DC to DC charger um, basically kind of like melted itself inside the wire. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't getting any power. Yeah, I wasn't getting any power. So basically the whole time I drove there, I had my hot water heater on and my fridge on. (laughs) And when I got there and showed up, my battery was at like 11.5 volts. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So (laughs) I ended up running to the auto parts store and getting a multimeter and was able to check and see that the wire was just completely fried. South uh, wire. Yeah, so I have some actual good wire that I was using for the trailer, you know, solid copper, good stuff. Um, I just hate buying wire on Amazon because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's true. True story. You can buy it from uh, Nick, um, Nashville Overland, Overland Nashville. Um, Yep. Get some wire from him, man. That's uh, that's one place that you don't want to skimp on because, unfortunately, if you do skimp on it, then uh, it can it can be quite disastrous. 
Yeah. I've seen yeah. too many Jeeps burning because of a uh, yeah. crappy Chinese <laughs> wire. I'm running a, a two gauge. Will, I'm running a two gauge from my um, house battery back to my control panel from, from Nick. I got some of that welding cable. Yep. And I mean, I could, you could pull, I could pull probably 600 amps through that wire. It's, it's fatter than my winch cable. So, yeah, that's some good stuff there. Everything else is good except for that when I wired in that uh, DC to DC charger. I think it was two years ago when I got the rig. Um, mm. That was like the, the last piece that was just junk. And of course, it's like the, it's like the one inch, it's like six inches of wire that I need the most. Yeah. <laughs> six inches, huh? Well, good thing you caught that. <laughs> yeah. Well, good thing you caught that, man. That's uh, that 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 could have been mm-hmm. could have been bad. Um, get your wire right, people. Get your wires right. So uh, on my side, I didn't do much. I, I did buff uh, and polish the new doors that I picked up from Will. Actually, in Arkansas, they had some uh, some oh. good old Texas fade from being in that Texas sun yep. for their whole life, and so I put a. Little compound and a little uh, little buff on it, and those things, man, they they match this old. The old paint matches perfectly, so pretty excited oh, about say that. Now are they shinier than the Jeep? So <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I buffed the outside of those door uh, frames on the actual body yeah. just to see how how close it would be. So it is very nice and shiny around the door and on the door, and the rest of the Jeep is. is you didn't blend it or anything. Just <laughs> I do need to cut and and, and do it all again. <laughs> uh it's but i mean it's not like a, it's not a car you normally would wax but i guess i'll do it just sure. to get it all yep. one and then let it let it run for a few more years <laughs> but nothing too exciting over here getting a little bit anxious to get out uh ready for uh for the summer to get here and be able to get out and enjoy yep. it uh did you did you move in to new mexico this weekend will or you've been there for a little bit haven't you Man, I've uh, yeah, I was sitting here while you guys were talking. I was trying to go through kind of some of the stuff that I've been doing this past week. So we'll just we'll just go with this past week because ever since March of moving in full time traveling, man, it's it seems like we're just constantly go 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 yeah. go 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 go. Um, so yeah, Sunday we uh we came into New Mexico. Um, we came into this spot that we're at actually on Saturday, but uh, started Friday night on our journey from Texas. Uh, we were right outside of Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, stayed the night in West Texas and woke up to just this epic scenery. We actually spent the night on an overlook and we didn't get there until like 11 o'clock at night. So when we woke up, it was completely different scenery. It was, I mean, it really was, it was great. Like my first words when I went to go use the bathroom, I opened up the curtains and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) What is it? And I'm like, you got to see outside. So, uh, yeah, so we came into New Mexico and then, uh, went uh kind of just traveling around this little area that we're in is uh what they call state trust land and and that's surrounded by blm land so all of that is public lands and and we get to stay here um i I would say free but it's not free um there's tax money involved and some stuff like that but for the most part it it is free there's some cool off-road trails all through here so i got to go uh try out some of those and then I installed a TRD uh, skid plate after I went to go get the oil changed on Apple, 
And the lady came out and she said, hey, sorry it's taking so long, but they're having a hard time getting your skid plate on because of some damage or something. And I was like, huh. She was like, so do you want us to just try to reattach it? And I said, well, yeah, I need the skid plate. It was it was there when I came in. And uh, so the skid plate wasn't really on there. And I had a subscriber. Um, I posted something about it on YouTube. Uh, and I had a subscriber. He was like, hey, I have a TRD skid plate that I modified for uh, KDSS. And for those oh, that don't cool. know, basically the TRD pros don't come with KDSS, which is a, it's like a sway bar articulation thing that mm-hmm. they put on the trail premiums and now what they call the TRD off-road premiums. And this system is, it's really cool if you're never going to make any modifications to your vehicle mm-hmm. um, and you just want to go. And obviously I've done everything that I've done this far has been on stock uh, forerunner stuff. So yeah. obviously it's a really good system for stock mm-hmm. vehicle to go off road. That said though, the TRD pro skid plate won't fit unless you cut out the sides of it. And that allows for that. Basically the KDSS allows this, oh, okay. the sway bar to drop down. Uh-huh. So ah, nice. I did that, or so it was already done on this, and then uh, I put it on. And as I was running around these uh, little trails here, I would hear it clunk every now and then, and I got to mm-hmm. looking at it, and I noticed that the KDSS sway bar was still coming down and bashing that uh, skid plate, the TRD Pro skid plate. Oh, well, oh, okay. because we're in a camper, I've already thrown away the old skid plate and all the pieces. <laughs> and shit. What do I do now, you know? And I've debated on, uh, since day one of, of getting the truck and knowing that it had KDSS and all, you know, I said, well, if it ever gives me a problem, I'll delete the KDSS and it won't be any issue at all. Yeah. And uh, so that's just kind of always been my deal. So I got down there and I got to looking at it and I said, well, let me just take the front sway bar off and <laughs> see how it does. It's optional equipment. And I took equipment. the front sway bar off. Yeah. And I <laughs> once I did, man, I went and drove it and... Yeah. I was pissed because I wish I would have done this so much longer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got the TRD Pro suspension as well. So I put the TRD Pro suspension on about 50,000 miles ago Mm -hmm. um, and took, I had just a spacer lift when I first started this thing out. So I took that off because it was uh, killing the angles of the, of the CVs were pretty bad. Yeah, too much. And I blew out a control arm. Yeah. Mm. So I took the spacer off and just put that TRD Pro suspension on there and it gave me just about the same amount of lift. So I already had the Pro suspension. And then once I put that, uh, or took that sway bar off, man, I, I couldn't even tell on road. I still, I, I, I can't tell at all. Um, off road though, it's so much smoother. Like it's huh. just allowing those, those front wheels to articulate on their own is so, so much smoother. So that was cool. Um, and then I got bored while I was in the desert here <laughs> yesterday and decided that uh, since I've already turned it into race car shit, I might as well continue that trend and decided to take a jigsaw to the front and rear bumpers. I saw that. I was cracking up, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Apple looks like a race truck now, man. There She's, you go. Uh, and if I had the right size wrenches, I'd have taken the rear sway bar off to see how good it does. But I can't. Uh, I'll have to wait for that. Oh man, I was dying when I saw that. You're like, when you got, when you have available power tools, battery powered yeah. power tools. I was like, oh yeah. man, cutting it up. Yeah, 
We've been at a hundred percent for so long. I was like, shit, I might as well use some of this juice, man. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh man. So, so how's you, so, uh go ahead, Jeff. So did you did you get the so when we did the red clay rally, Jake was running no sway bars in the front and back. So you're not you're not kind of leaning over like he was. Yeah, so that's actually what scared the shit out of me was riding with the <laughs> bars. I was like, man, this is awful. I see what people are talking about now. And uh, but I found that a lot of it has to do with um, just the maneuvers that you make and and how you make them. Uh, mm. But you know, I I did eighty down the freeway uh, yesterday and swerved in and out because my main concern was, you know, Christy's got, whenever it's move days, I drive the Tundra towing the the trailer and Mm -hmm. she drives Apple. And so my main concern was like, look, I can't have anything that's too crazy for Christy to drive. Like me, I'm not worried about it. Like I can, I can figure it out. I'm not worried about it, but I didn't want anything to hinder the way that she drove. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't make any difference at all with that front sway bar gone. It's awesome to hear nice yeah that's good man um so you've been uh since the last time we talked well we well we had a podcast but we might have had a lot of beers also during that podcast and so it <laughs> is, is that where the three beer say, limit I'm came in that video today and uh yeah yeah there was about four long clips of us recording that podcast that needless to say none of them made it on the video either. So, the, uh, the between the jeffersons and the ice house it was, uh, it was a bit of, oh and the hazies you had some hazies too i did yeah yeah i had a uh, i had that little IPAs, variety yeah. pack of ipas Yes. Keeping it keeping it real overland with my IPAs. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, if you're not drinking Lacroix, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, since since the listeners have talked with you, you have been what I think we talked before you got to Texas, or you were just getting to Texas last time we talked. So tell us about Texas. You made some history down there, uh, <laughs> and then yeah, uh, you went on it to where you're at uh, now. But how's how was Texas? Yeah, so we started out. Uh, we went from uh, we went from South Carolina to Tennessee and uh, stayed in Tennessee for a couple months there. And then in January we headed out cold in the snow of the <laughs> of Tennessee, and that worked out real well for about a week. And then uh, it, it, it next thing you know, man, it it got cold and really cold it got uh i was on the oklahoma adventure trail i'd been set to be out for two weeks so i was going to do the trail then Mm -hmm. i was going to do the eastern portion which is called the greater green county oklahoma trail which is a little bit more of a technical portion of that trail and then i was going to go up to uh, wichita kansas to uh, the folks up there in action tracks and kind of do a walk around of their uh, facilities there see how they make them and and get the lowdown on that and uh, about three days in, uh, my buddy, who's, it's kind of crazy, we're kind of following them in their van, their van life in it up. My buddy's like, nice. yeah, you've got some, uh, you've got some, some weather headed your way. And I was, <laughs> no shit, I was sitting on a lake and uh, you guys see, if you guys watch the video, I think it's, uh, it, it's like the second or third night where mm-hmm. I'm sitting on this lake and I decided to call it a, a night. And as I'm sitting there talking to him, I notice there's there's birds flying like in flocks, oh, just oh, birds flying. And I and and he's like, "Yeah, you got some weather headed to you." And I was like, "You know, 
I said, that's, I started paying attention to birds years ago after an old man told me uh, an early winter story and birds related to it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, I was like, you know, I see all these birds. Let me check this out and come to find out that there was some bad weather coming. And so I cut the, I cut the trip short, went on down to Texas, made sure that, uh, you know, we had enough propane. I didn't want Christy to deal with that by herself. So, uh, yeah, it, it, man, it was, uh, it was wild. It was absolutely yeah. wild. So it would have been wild in uh, sticks and bricks or a house, but being full time mm-hmm. in an RV, it was uh, it was particularly wild. So luckily, we got a full solar setup, so we never ran out of electricity. Nice. Um, we were we stocked up on gas, uh, propane, and water. And mm-hmm. part of that, man, is I grew up on the East Coast where we dealt with hurricanes every year. So, yeah. you know, every year we always made sure that before hurricane season came or any kind of big storm came that we had all the supplies that we needed. Yeah. And that's kind of that's what we did. And thankfully we did, because even though we were OK, uh, everybody else was not OK. And mm-hmm. once the electric and all went out, there was no getting gas for your vehicles. There was no getting propane for your heaters. There was no, all that was completely shut down. So it's like while I was sufficient, um, Texas wasn't set up for it. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the ordeal, man. It uh, it, it really was something. But. It taught us a good bit in uh, in a sense of, you know, what we need and what we can and cannot withstand. And to be honest, we, we did really well. We did far better than a lot of other people did, far better yeah. than a lot of full-time RVers. Uh, there's a lot of full-time RVers out there that have total rigs um, now after that from pipes busting or wow. tanks mm. busting. Um, a couple stories I heard was the tanks would get so frozen that it would separate or it would in between the frame rails of these RVs, it was actually pushing them out and, and cracking the frame rails of the RVs. That was kind of a common thing that, uh, that, yeah. So luckily we didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, you know, so that was good. Then from there, we, uh, we hightailed it down to, uh, Magnolia beach or uh, Corpus Christi area where we Mm -hmm. spent uh, about two weeks on the beach itself and coated everything in a nice uh, rustic look uh, <laughs> because of the salt down there. And then, uh, then we took the we took the truck out to Padre Island National Seashore, and we camped on the National Seashore there. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. And uh, stayed down in South Texas for about two weeks, and mm-hmm. uh, then we headed back up to uh, the other side of Fort Worth. And stayed there for another two weeks, and then now we're here in New Mexico. Nice. Wow. So, like when when you were in that ice storm in Texas, you were at that like that dog. Was we at that like that dog park area? Was that the place yeah, you were at? So, yeah. So the um, the tr- the camper is set up for full off grid living. Now mm-hmm. that being said. Oftentimes, whenever you come out to off-grid areas like BLM land or um, state trust land or national forest lands or stuff like that, you can't always pick and choose the neighbors that you find yourself next to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, that being said, you know, I knew that I was going to be going on a trip around Oklahoma and I didn't want to leave Christy in the middle of the woods, right? I didn't want to leave her off in the middle of nowhere um, in some sketchy place. So kind of the compromise we had was we'll go rent um, an RV spot, a spot in an RV park Mm -hmm. for 
a couple weeks while I do this trip. And uh, we ended up staying there for, we rented it for the whole month because it works out better that way. Yeah. But it's kind of, I'm kind of glad that we were there because, you know, our water did freeze. Um, both the, the uh, well, the freshwater froze. I was able to get it unfrozen a couple different times. Uh, mm-hmm. But what happened was, is the, the, the levers to pull the gray tank and the black tank, Mm-hmm. Those froze. So once your black tank and gray tank got full, there was no way to empty them out. Oh, yeah. man. So oh, shit. We, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. yeah, we couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't shit inside of the uh, inside of the camper. We couldn't, you know, use the bathroom. We couldn't shower, yeah. and uh, luckily we had fresh water that we were drinking. Uh, but because we were at that uh, because we were at that place, we were able to use their showers and able to use their toilets for a little while until they finally froze up, and wow. you know we weren't able to use them. And then it's just like uh, then it's just like camping in the woods, you know. <laughs> So, like, with your, like, setup to be more off, I mean, your typical RV isn't really off-grid, right? You have a generator no, and all that. Not. I mean, you basically have to run a generator to do anything because your house batteries are, what, one or two, like, small batteries. So, like, what That's did, right, yeah. what was yours, what did you, what were your advantages over, like, other people or, like, you know, what, what did you, you know, what were you able to do versus other people? Yeah, so uh, like you said, it's crazy. Is, is one, it's crazy the quality that you don't find in the RV industry. So uh, that's kind of nuts in itself. But the other thing is, is these things are made to where um, you have to you have to go somewhere and plug them up, and that's the only way that they work, which is just crazy to me. Um, especially yeah. <laughs> coming from the overlanding world, it's you yeah. know. I, I really wanted something that would be kind of off grid, and so what I did was in order to make it do what we want it to do, which was be able to stay in these off-grid locations, uh, we hooked it up with its own power grid. So I've got uh, nice. three 100-amp-hour um, lithium-ion batteries. Oh, wow. Those are fed by, <laughs> yeah, those are fed by uh, two residential Panasonic HID uh, panels, which are 325 watts each. Wow, shit. So, yeah, that's sweet. Um, yeah, and so I got the MPPT. That's a it's a Victron MPPT. So you got the power comes from the panels down to that MPPT, and then goes into the batteries. And then from the batteries, the power runs into a Victron, what they call a Victron Multi Plus, which is a uh, charger, uh, converter, uh, transfer, all everything all in one yeah. system. So uh, with that, uh, I then ran it into the back of the power block that comes with the, the trailer itself. So it's got its own panel. And essentially nice. what I did was I, I took the shore power plug and unplugged it from the back of the panel, ran it to that Victron, and then ran a wire from the Victron into the back of that, uh, that power block there. Oh, so cool. Everything in the trailer is 100% running off of those batteries. And um, if we're at shore power, we can still plug it in. And by plugging it in, we'll charge those batteries. Mm-hmm. And then also as a as kind of a redundancy and backup, I've got a 3,500-watt generator that we also took with us. Gotcha. Um, okay. Right awesome. now, 
as a matter of fact, probably tomorrow I'll have to start the generator up because <laughs> I'm worried that the gas might gel up in it. We just haven't had to use it. Yeah. Um, you know, Christy's been blow drying her hair. Uh, we've used the AC, you know, an hour or two. We can use the AC on that thing. Um, on the battery power. Yeah, on the battery power. So yeah, it's awesome. it's completely set up. And I and I thought going into this, I was like, I think three hundred amp hours is probably the uh that's probably the kicker there. And I was right. Thankfully I was right. Yeah. So uh, the only other thing uh, that we kind of debated with is whether or not I wanted to angle the solar panels or, or you know, make them to where I could angle them. Oh, yeah. And I do have them set up to where it wouldn't be that hard to angle them. But to be honest with you, man, these, uh, like I said, they're 325 panels. So I've got 650 watts total, and I've actually pulled over 700 watts max. So wow. they're super, super efficient, and they just, man, it just works. And it's it's nice, man. You just It's just one of those things you just don't have to worry about. So That's awesome. It's the set and forget free energy, which is just so weird. <laughs> it's it's Dude, so it's, weird to just think yeah. like – even with just like the single hundred watt panel I have on my rig, it's like, it's so weird to think that you could just have free, clean energy. It's like, mm-hmm. why doesn't every single house in America have panels on the roof? Like, I just don't yeah, understand. Well, a lot of it has to do with, and, and that was kind of my big thing about Texas was, you know, Texas wasn't set up for, for an ice storm, obviously, right? And it, it'd sure. be kind of hard to, to get a southern state that was set up for negative two degrees. I mean, realistically, <laughs> yeah, we are yeah. talking about a, a freak event. Yeah. But that being said, one of the big things that I noticed in Texas as soon as I got there was just the massive size of these houses. And everywhere you look, the massive roof space. I mean, and mm. I, I was doing roofs. Um, I was selling roofs for a while back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And if I had to guess, you know, an average roof where we were in South Carolina was anywhere between seven and 15 grand. And an average roof in Texas is probably anywhere between 20 and 50 grand. Whoa. I mean, they, the Holy roofs crap. are just... I mean, asinine, and the house sizes had to be somewhere around the average of 3,000 square foot. And they were just as far as you could see. So you've got all these places, and you got these people that are, you know, nobody really pays attention on their day-to-day on how much electricity they use. You know, unless you're you're involved with it like we are as far as, you know, counting your watts and doing stuff like that. Like, just people don't really think about it. So, you know, your microwave burning up 1,600, 1,800 watts here and there is not a big deal. You're fridge is burning up another you know 700 to 400 watts and it's no big deal and then you got your wife blow drying her hair at 2000 watts and then mm-hmm. you know the kids are downstairs playing on their computers and their games and this and that and and then you try to turn on heat with electric strips which is what most people in the south have they don't really have a lot of uh um, you know, gas or furnaces. And yeah. in Texas, if they do, then they're, a lot of them are actually using uh, propane, which, uh, you know, whenever they were out of electricity, they had plenty of propane, but no way to pump it. So that was, uh, it was, yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a deal. But my point is, is that the extreme inefficiencies that they had led to 
you know, a large portion of their problems because their houses are so inefficient and because everybody was using so much power, it just created a huge strain on the entire system. And uh, that's what inevitably ended up being the downfall there was, you know, the systems couldn't handle it. That's the reason that they shut off the power. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that the grid failed because of ice and snow. It was, they shut it off so that way they wouldn't blow up, you know, power plants. Yeah, just couldn't supply. You know, it's like, Everybody, if every single house turned on their lights at the same time, you'd have a failure. Yep. And yeah, and that's the reason most people don't have, you know, a solar system uh, on their home or a solar array on their home is mm-hmm. because they there's a there's a way that you can fully develop a home from the ground up to be super super efficient and work with the atmosphere or work with the the climate and the region that you're at, and then attach it with solar panels and make it to where it can collect rainwater and different things like that. It's just, nobody does that. It's hmm. so if they did that, then yeah, like you said, it would, it would make total sense of, you know, just collecting free energy, man. It's, it's there, it's available. It's yeah. especially speak, out here in the West. Yeah. Speaking of uh, free energy, I know there's, I think places in like Greenland, well, the, the geothermic geothermal energy, well, yep. they'll yeah. drill down deep and pull the the cores you know the earth's core not necessarily all the way to the core but down down deep to pull up the heat and that's how a lot of places are heating their homes for essentially just the cost of the drilling aspect and i guess the the whatever else it needs but um, you can heat and cool too it's crazy oh yeah. i didn't that's cool yeah. i didn't know it was heating or i didn't know it was cooling as well that's pretty yeah, cool because it's like you a know, reverse kind of like um Kind of like a heat pump works, you know, where you can take hot, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, hot air and actually or hot hot liquid, and you can turn it in backwards. My house in uh, yeah, and then uh, they also have things like uh, net zero homes, which are really neat, and uh, they actually they built mm-hmm. a net zero home in Texas. I watched a documentary on it, and I want to say overall it costs somewhere around thirty thousand dollars more to build this net zero home. And in order to be a net zero home, that means that it it uses nothing more than what it produces on its own. And, oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so it's super efficient, and, and I think they, they broke it down to where it ends up costing the homeowner, I want to say it was like 20 or $30 additional per month, but you don't have any utility bills. It's and crazy it's not it. to do that. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely insane, but the you know on that documentary, one of the things that they talk about is just breaking into that industry and going to contractors and, and trying to show them a new way. We've been building houses the same way since the 30s, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So trying to show them a new way and trying to explain to the bank that, you know, you've got a house here that it's going to cost thirty to $40,000 more, but there's no utility bills. It's There's a lot involved. Lot and there's a lot of people, too, that stand to lose a lot of money. Yeah. My house in California, we set up when we moved in, we got, we put up solar panels in the whole house. So I had, I think it was 13, 13, 300 watt panels. And we basically, the first year, we had air conditioning, which is very uncommon in California by the beach, by the coastal regions. Really? Yeah, very uncommon. Um, and we had it, we had it when we bought the house, and we were negative five hundred kilowatt hours the first year, and we still used our air conditioning in the summer. And it's just That's crazy. It's so awesome. The second year, I think we used one hundred kilowatt hours more than we produced, and we basically yeah. you know lived our lives normal 
and we got the tax credit. Like, you know, we bought the panels, we got the 30% awesome. tax credit. And it was one of those things when I was signing up for it, I was like, is this too good to be true? It just sounds too good to be true. <laughs> and I asked a couple of people that I worked with at the time and I'm like, and they had solar panels in their house and I'm like, it just sounds like it checks all of the boxes. It just sounds too good to be true. And it obviously wasn't. But, you know, the factor is, is, you know, battery technology is, is pretty, is kind of getting there now, but, you know. With yeah, the, so you were, you were still on a grid-tied system there. Correct, uh, yeah, we were still on a grid. Net metering. Yep, yeah. net metering. So, exactly. in, uh, in 2015, I think it was, uh, the president then uh, signed into action, basically, making it to where the power company would have to, uh, they would have to give you a credit for credit you know, yep. whatever kilowatt hours you used. Um, because of that, I actually, in 2016, after my first trip, I came back and, uh, a, a guy was selling solar and, uh, and, and mm-hmm. him selling solar checked off all the boxes to be too good to be true as well. <laughs> yep. But I hopped on board selling solar and I worked selling solar for about six months and supplied a year's worth of vacation. Um, but, the wow. reason is, is because at that time in South Carolina, they were giving you 55% tax credits. So oh, wow. They were giving Jeez. you the 30% from the federal, but then they were giving you an additional 25% um, on your state. So the way that works out is if you got a, a normal solar a, a solar array for a normal grid-tied home without a battery is going to run anywhere between twenty and thirty thousand dollars, <laughs> and so you would get fifty-five percent of that in form of a tax credit. Now, yep. where you got to be careful with that, and the way that it it, it it becomes too good to be true is a lot of people think that they're just going to get a check back for fifty-five percent of whatever their solar system costs, and that's not how that works. No. It goes towards what you owe to the government. So, if you owe, if you end up owing taxes and most folks in sales and different things like that end up owing money in taxes or have some sort of tax liability, then Mm -hmm. that 55% of the $30,000 solar would go towards your liability to the government. And you can use it over the course of, I think it was like five or 10 years. Yeah. So yeah, it works out. Now there are a lot of gimmicky plans, like a lot of people lease solar panels and community (laughs) solar stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I tell everybody, if you're going to get solar, then pay for it. You just buy the solar, buy the Mm -hmm. solar. It's going to be expensive, you know, and and even if you did it yourself, it's going to be expensive, but buy it. Um, and then, you know, and, you get your credits and everything like that if you're due the credits and you can utilize them then obviously you'd be a lot better off but even if you paid thirty thousand dollars for it and you finance the thirty thousand dollars over the course of time you know you're never going to own the electric that comes from the electric company it's consistently going to go up and Mm -hmm. you know it solar is just it just makes sense man oh yeah what other so we've been on this kick of of natural energy sources so what are some other natural energy sources that that we see out there in the rv world uh we've got like you mentioned solar um yep. i don't know if propane's a natural energy source i guess it is at some point but what it else are people using for power yeah so mainly it's just uh Excuse me, my beer can blew away here. That's the one thing about out west is the wind. Is uh, if the wind stops blowing, then the people will fall down out here. I promise. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so as far as natural goes, really solar's it in the RV world. Um, mm-hmm. You've got wind power, but wind power is not – solar is super inefficient, first off. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that I think the max efficiency that we're at right now is somewhere around 26%. And we've yeah. been working on this hmm. shit since, like, the 50s. So one of the satellites, the oldest orbiting satellite, runs off of solar. Um, it's been up there since the 50s. And wow. that's how long we've been working at it. And we're still only 26% effective, I think, is what the max is now. Meaning that for one square meter, uh, the sun produces 10,000 watts. And we can only pick up 26% of that wow. energy. So, yeah, it's extremely inefficient whenever you whenever you break it down like that. Sure. Uh, but that being said, it's not nearly as inefficient as uh, like things like wind. Um, obviously, wind, you know, you hear a lot about the wind farms. The main reason you hear a lot about those is because I don't know who the guy was that got the that got the contract for making the windmills, but every single one of the windmills are the same. Uh, they're humongous, yeah. and that guy just hit an absolute lick. And I'm sure there's politicians <laughs> that are in his pocket too. But sure. for whatever reason, that guy, man, he hit a lick. But even the wind, the like smaller wind things that you get for your RV, it's just by the time you factor in the space and the amount of energy that you're going to get and the cost and all that, it doesn't really work out. Um, now, so you're saying you're saying folks got to... little windmills on their on their RVs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. How big are yeah. these windmills, no windmills. Will? We're talking probably, like six foot. No, uh, they're like four <laughs> foot, four foot from tip to tip, wing wise, and there's three wings on them. That's a windmill. So, That's a noticeable windmill. It's a windmill, yeah. It's not bad. I mean, it's not like the ones that you see out in you know Oklahoma that you know can take out a building if they were to fall down you know but yeah it's, it's still pretty significant yeah that's like that's like your normal roof satellite i mean that's about that size that's that's, that's pretty about good that same size yeah and those things get to spinning man I've, I've seen some of those things spin so damn fast that like i, I worry that the blades are going to come off <laughs> like, I, let's, let's not park next to that one let's go park over here it's <laughs> yeah. a new yeah. version of the Widowmaker. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah have y'all seen that video of the of the windmill that like blew up like it just basically oh, disintegrated yeah. yep. it overspun those things are huge have you seen one going down the road oh yeah yeah on yeah. the semi trucks it's like it's like one and a half semi trucks long it's insane they, it's an oversized load just to carry one of the blades yeah it's, okay. it's, it's 25 foot long that's how long those things are the 25 oh, wow. foot from from the where they bolt up to the tip and there's three blades it's like i said johnny windmill whoever the hell whoever's got that contract man that yeah dude, he is making absolutely and the problem with those and you're starting to hear now is the problem with those is they're they're made out of like fiberglass they're 100 percent non-recyclable yeah. and they require like massive amounts of oil to stay lubed up. <laughs> They're just not. It's not efficient. It's just not that good. And you know, solar, even though it's not efficient, they could build big solar uh, farms mm-hmm. and be pretty good at it. Like these, these, uh, these panels that I have here are super efficient. I mean, relatively speaking, for you know the where we're at, I think they're like twenty two percent. And they're super efficient, but what happens is, is whenever they build these big solar farms that you see, they're doing those things at somewhere around the price that you have to be to 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 put those in is somewhere around ninety to ninety-seven cent per uh, kilowatt hour. 
or per per uh, per watt or some mm-hmm. shit like that. I can't remember, but it's extremely low. So what ends up happening is is the people that get these contracts put these extremely inefficient panels onto large surfaces. I mean, just massive rows. I mean, you've seen these solar farms. Mm-hmm. All those panels are extremely inefficient, and the way that they're wired up oftentimes is an old style wiring to where if a cloud goes over one, then basically the entire thing oh, is ineffective. Yeah, so if they were to do it with new technology and the efficiency that we have nowadays, and I mean, it, there's ways to do it. It's like I they're said, wired in series, not parallel. Exactly. Yeah. Because they they and, like to boost the voltage to get more power yeah. when yeah, because because you lose power up converting electricity, but yeah. you gain the efficiency of not having to down a panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think really the the answer is is not necessarily just replacing your energy um, source, but it's it's really it's full circle, right? So you have to you have to look at how you can be effective or efficient with the energy that you use and how you can properly get the the energy. So for instance, uh, with us, with the RV, the fridge that we had was either is a two-way fridge. It either used AC power or it used propane power. And on AC power, I would look at my little app, and it was using somewhere around 585 watts, like cool. consistently. Yeah, Jeez. and it was close to it was close to 30 amps, mm-hmm. and the, that that some kind of way does convert. Um, but basically in that app, it, it kind of gives you everything that you need to know. So on that app, it was like 585 it would be on, and the thing would just constantly run. And then you switch it over to propane. Now you're using up your propane, but it runs sure. a little bit longer, and you're not using up your solar. So what I did was I ripped that thing out, and now I've got an ISCO 95-quart uh, uh, chest style like you would in your Overland rig. Yeah. And when that thing comes on, we pull somewhere around 100 to 100. And twenty, and just I mean, that's insane huge, difference. Just huge difference. It's wow. electric only, um, so it doesn't. It, it can't use propane, mm-hmm. but it doesn't use up. And we haven't filled up propane in uh, since it's been cold since since uh, since we went through the snow and all that. Wow. Now we eat out a lot more than than, than we should, you know. But the only thing that's using the propane now is the uh, the furnace and the water heater. But the water heater recently broke and no longer uh, can use the, the gas. It's another <laughs> another one of those pain points of RV living. Time Jeff for might have a solution heater. for it you. Yeah. <laughs> Time for your electric heater. Yeah. So the electric water heater uses uh, sixteen hundred watts. So you, if you get ready to go take a shower, I've, I've, I've timed it for Christy and I both to get the water heated up for both of us to use it. Uh, we start out at around 99% of mm-hmm. battery, and we'll drop down anywhere between 65 and 70% battery by the time it's wow. fully heated up. And, and then we have to turn it off to hop into the shower. And that's only a – I think it's like a six-gallon tank in that thing. I got to hook you up with my, my setup. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm mine, looking at uh, I'm looking a, at some sort of on demand. Oh yeah, the on demand. Uh, so that's different, right? Mine's mine's a seven gallon tank, and I okay. have a 300 watt immersion heater, and it okay. does it does 30 degrees in in one hour on 30 mm. 300 watts. 
So basically... So it can go 30 degrees below the temperature that it starts at within an hour. Correct. Yeah. So basically the tank usually sits around 70 degrees, you know, in my garage and whatnot. And if I drive, I have a high and a low setting. The heat, the the immersion heater was about nineteen dollars. It's cheap, right? And you just stick yeah. it in a in a water tank, and yeah. it it pulls three hundred watts on high or one hundred and fifty watts on 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 one. It has basically four poles um, or two two poles. So it has a high and a low setting, or you could just go all in. So three hundred watts total. Does it run on twelve volt or AC? Twelve volt. Twelve volt. Nice. So yeah. that's like the tank that I have in my car. And it's seven gallons, and it does thirty degrees in 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 one hour on high. Um, wow. So huh. that might be looking in, that might be worth looking into for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you insulate it, it would you know obviously if you you know if you put a small tank and use that to pump. Like, let's say you use that in between your main tank and your shower, so you kind of like turn on a pump to fill that up, and then. You know, did whatever. Well, that's how the setup is from the factory. That's how it's set up. Oh, okay. So the oh. uh, yeah, the way that it's set up is you got a box on the back of uh, or on the side of any RV. You'll see like a, a box that's like a black box that says hot on it. Yep. And that is their their water heater. So inside there would be typically it's a it, it's a, either a four um, a six. Or I think there's one more option, but Dometic is uh, is the company that makes them. It's Dometic and Atwood, or Dometic gotcha. Atwood. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And they're two way, so they'll either be they'll be gas or electric, and they use AC. Um, and they always go out. It's what happens is is the the control board goes out on them, and so uh, like whenever I whenever I try to turn it on right now, it just won't it won't send the spark to it like gas comes out but it won't send the spark to ignite the flame um uh, there's no signal ever getting sent to the spark igniter and then because of that it won't mm-hmm. allow like i can go out there and light it and it'll poof up but because it's not sending the spark and ignite it itself it then faults it and says well we need to stand off the gas so it cuts the gas off Oh, so man. and what it's it like is safety. is it's a control board. Yeah, it's a control board in there that uh, that goes bad, and it's like a hundred and twenty dollar fix. But I mean, it's just one thing after the other with these RVs. It's, realistically, man, if, if I had it to do all over again, I would have bought a cargo trailer and just built my own. It's oh. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at with it. It's, you get a lot better quality if you do it that way. It's just you can't finance it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all in one. Do you just like go through and just like you see like this or you, you see it's a, it's a, you know, maybe not the, the right product for the longevity you need in it. Do you have the ability to upgrade those products to products that, you know, that might be recommended as, as more, more reliable or more, more long-term or durable? Yeah. So that's where it gets weird, right? So the RV industry is not, um, it, like you can upgrade, so you can upgrade that RV fridge that I talked about, right? Mm-hmm. You can upgrade it. Dometic actually make it was a Dometic fridge that I had, the Dometic two way. Well, as you guys know, Dometic makes a fridge that's extremely energy efficient. Mm-hmm. The CFX <laughs> models that they make is 
or not uh, inefficient, but efficient. It's extremely yep. efficient. So you guys know, like the CFX models uh, fridge that you get for your truck and stuff like that. Those compressors, man, are they're really really good, yep. and they're very very efficient. They just don't put them in the RVs, and the reason is is because most of the people aren't worried about it. They're going to an RV park, they're going to plug it in, and they'll camp maybe three weeks of the year. You know, yep. so they, yeah. it's cost too much. To it's a cost savings. Yeah. Yeah, so if I and and I actually um, talked to uh, a buddy of mine that works over at Dometic, and I said, "Well, hey, look, do you have anything that's more efficient than this for RVs?" He said, "Yeah, they make a three-way fridge that runs off of either 12 volt AC or propane, and it utilizes the CFX compressor that you have inside of the you know oh, the cool. fridges." Oh, nice. Well, to upgrade to something like that, you're looking at close to probably two thousand dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's Jeez. it's crazy. Oh, man. And yeah, so and not only that, but I don't the fridge that the the door fridge that opens up and stands up. That's an extremely inefficient design. Yeah. Right. So by by just the the way that uh, the the way that cold air and hot air works, a chest style fridge is just a lot better at at keeping its temperature. Sure. So that's what I did. I put a chest style fridge in there, and what I'll end up doing is I'll end up redoing the entire um I'll end up redoing the entire thing in itself because of, you know, <laughs> quality workmanship that they have. Yeah. But what I'm going to do when we bought this thing for whatever reason I thought of all these different things, but the one thing that I never thought of was the fact that we were going to need a workspace. Um, I did not mm-hmm. factor in the fact that we need something like a desk or something like that to work in. Christy works full time on the road, um, and sometimes I work and sometimes I don't. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time I don't. I try <laughs> to keep it that way. But the uh, but the thing is, is we need somewhere in there that we can work, and we really lack that. So. Yeah. Ours came with theater seating. I took the theater seating out and I put a futon in with some uh, with uh, with like some storage up underneath. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the futon blew out, so I I, I current I redid that. Sure. And then what I'm going to do with that chest style is I'm going to put it on rollers and then have oh, a desk cool. there. So I like that. Nice. It's just it, it's just like Jeff was talking about when you take the thing out and and you play with it for a little while you realize that you got to change everything around yeah yeah the first uh, rundown you're like man (laughs) (laughs) i need this there i need this there you don't get that Mm. like the like you said rvs is like an old school space they're not talking about efficient off-grid trailers and the the trailers that you see like some of these little teardrop trailers that are like there's this one that i've been following called camp works 20 grand they're twenty grand, but they're fully off grid. They're all yeah. electric, efficient. They have lithium batteries, and they're ready if they're to go. That, then they're worth it. If yeah. they're that, then they're worth mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yep. But then you go and you go. Oh, I can buy this Coleman. I can buy this Coleman edition. You know, seventeen grand, twenty three foot trailer for seventeen grand, baby. I'm yeah. signing up. Yeah. And you just have yeah. junk components, man. Just junk. You know, I spend, but the problem is, is you spend 125 grand on one, and you get those same junk components. Yeah, they just put shiny paint on it. That's it. Yeah. Wow, that, that's um, interesting because that puts a whole new perspective on when you see these these giant big rigs rolling down. You know, they usually old retired people head down to Florida. Um, but I hear you know, stories <laughs> all the time. 
my my buddies my good buddy's parents bought one and they had they had electrical issues where it would just it would just kill the engine when they were driving and it was only certain temperatures and they Gosh. drove it all the way back to like uh what is it uh indiana where they're made indiana's yeah, the hub right yep. and yep. they took it back and they finally figured it out and it's only during certain temperatures that the something happened and it took them like almost a year to figure this out and they have like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar rv and it's like this is crazy man like this is just yeah, crazy and then the lifestyle overland they they had their rv that they bought and they got I talked right. to him not too long ago he's still in the middle of that i was like dude you're still dealing with that he's like we're still in the middle of that yeah, so he still can't talk about it, but they're uh, yeah, they're still they're still going back and forth, and you know, and, and at some point you would think that the uh, that the uh, what you call it that the manufacturers would be like, yo, uh, we're just gonna settle, you know? Is there like a but lemon law with RVs? I'm not quite sure. What happened to Steve? Did we lose Steve? We lost Steve. Yeah, he might pop back in here in a minute. He'll pop back. In. Okay. But, but yeah, there's uh, it, it's crazy. But on the flip side of that, what uh, because I've been working on mine, um, now I've been able to start a little side business. So where I go now, I run ads in Craigslist for RV renovations and repairs, and uh, I'm able to uh, I'm able to refresh the coffers a little bit by uh, by doing RV renovations and repairs. And the reason I'm able to do it is because I know how to do uh, repairs on based on mine. And it's funny people will call me like somebody called me last week if i knew how to troubleshoot the atwood water heater and i was like ah man i you know like i can fix your fittings and stuff but i don't know about that and then next thing you know my my water heater goes out and now i find myself troubleshooting so i call oh, him back and i'm like yeah yeah, yeah i can fix it <laughs> that's crazy it's uh, amazing so i kind of want to transition to talk about a little bit and i'm, I'm kind of throwing this out there. I don't know if you want to talk about it. If you don't, that's perfectly fine. It might be something under the radar. Sounds you're spicy. About the, yeah. You're scaring us, Steve. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Got to get that build up, up Boy, right? And <laughs> we'll see you next week. So, on that, <laughs> that's our other podcast that comes on late yeah. on uh, Sirius yeah. XM. Now, um, <laughs> um, you're talking about a conversion with Apple uh, that, that's yeah. really, really interesting that I've never seen like I said, if you don't want to go into detail about it, I totally no. get it. But it's it no, sounds I, I really awesome. Yeah, I definitely don't mind going into detail about cool. it because the more I go into detail about it, the more I work out. Little th- you know how we, sure. we're brainstorming and and stuff like that. We get to work things out in our mm-hmm. head, and especially when we're in a forum like this. Uh, but essentially, what I want to do is um, it, it's not at all common here in the states but what you will see is overseas they have the land rovers uh, or troopies as they call them yeah and they will be uh full-on conversions in the back they'll have the the box in the back and it'll lift up and stuff like that and i want to do something like that with apple and i really so i'm dumb enough to think that it's possible (laughs) 
and but I'm <laughs> also stubborn possible. enough to yeah I'm also stubborn enough to not let anybody tell me that it's not possible <laughs> because I really think that like it, like half of me just wants to take the saws all out of this thing and just start working oh god it. I don't think that's the route so I'm not gonna do that the bumper but was I the really first step that, yeah I really think that if I if I cut it it at behind the back doors and okay. then build out a box um think of like uh the old uh what were they called sun raiders um i think the toyota made a old rv that was out of an old toyota pickup truck i've seen those before yeah 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 so something like that um something like the the troopies obviously Mm -hmm. um basically i would I would imagine it would have to be all aluminum um, box mm-hmm. of some sort, or sure. I could get you know really ambitious and maybe try it out of steel tubes. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how the logistics of that would have yeah. to be, um, but essentially just fiberglass the back end of it, okay. reinforce it some type of way, and make it a make it just like that, just like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. what'd you look up just here, like Jeff? That. What is the that? Sun Raider, Toyota Sun Raider. Toyota yeah, Sun Raider. That thing is so, awesome. Yeah, I <laughs> want to drive the shit out of like that. that. <laughs> right, but I want to make it to where the top pops up, um, kind of mm, okay. like a four-wheel pop-up camper. Yeah. And the reason is, is because, you know, I went out in one of those four-wheel pop-up campers and I did Death Valley in it. And because of that popping system, you don't have that tippy feeling that you would. Yeah. If you were in one of those. So I still want to be able to. So my ultimate proving ground, right, is no matter what vehicle I drive, it has to be able to do Hell's Revenge in Moab. Oh, oh that's kind of a deal. Yeah, if it can do Hell's Revenge, then I consider that to be a good off-road vehicle. Dang, For sure. That's, that's some serious modification then. Um, I don't. I just don't think that it's a lot. I mean, you know, uh, maybe I mean, not. It's kind of I mean, like one of those things. It's, yeah. it's like you know, if you if you got the skill, the know how, and the money, then it's not a lot, right? Yeah. It's, You'd be the first followed, runner with it. Have you followed Overland Under Budget by chance? Uh-huh. He's he's building yeah. a. Uh, he took his. Uh, he's got a Tacoma, older Tacoma, uh, and mm-hmm. took off the the bed and built a flatbed and is in the process okay. of designing. Essentially, the you know same thing—a camper type shell that would go over the top, maybe or straight up in the back, and do it out mm-hmm. of, I believe, aluminum, and and kind of build it real light. But yeah, he'd be a guy to get you to so follow a truck right now. Is, yeah, is far better for. Yeah, you don't have to cut anything. You just unbolt yeah, the bed but, and take the bed yeah. off, and you've got your your entire <laughs> exactly. fresh, clear canvas to build off yeah. of. And the, yeah, and you're ready to roll. So would you cut now, after the after the front doors or back doors? Front doors. Front doors. Okay. I did see now. I did see a third gen. Um, I did see a third gen forerunner. I think I posted it on my story that the guy kind of did something very similar to it, and he left the back doors there. So I don't. I don't really know. And again, the logistics of it, I'm still trying to work through. Um, the other part of me just says, just go get a single cab Tundra. And, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. You know yeah. Because then you got the V8, you don't have to worry about the weight. And mm-hmm. those so that has the four seven in it, right? That you can actually get them with seven. the five seven, mm-hmm. but they don't go. make them anymore. So that's the problem that you have mm. is, is because they don't make them anymore, they're a little bit harder to find. I was I found the perfect one the other day. It was it was up in Montana though, so it was mm. probably all rusted out. Yeah. Um, but I figured it had one hundred twenty thousand miles on it. 
but I figured there's no way that it had the same 120,000 miles that Apple had on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's golden. Yeah, but whenever it comes time to trade in Apple, it's it, the, the value is <laughs> That's when you privatize like all your videos and don't tell. She's got some dented quarter panels, no sway bars. You don't trade in Apple. Underneath. You just you, you just keep yeah. Apple forever. Like. Apple Apple just needs somebody that's going to love her for who she is. You yes. drive Apple yeah. off a cliff and you call it in stolen. Exactly. <laughs> Make sure you're close to Mexico. They won't question it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just go park it down. And, yeah. yeah. I know I saw a car catch on fire the other day. I was like, those lucky bastards. That's <laughs> Real quick, Why you need you to check out. insurance on there? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. You, real quick, you need to check out uh, Dirt Sunrise. Uh, Tim and Kelsey, they just they they um, basically took their 80 series called Goose. They recently sold it, but they bought another 80 series. I think a foreign 80, but it's a very similar conversion by Maltec, where I think it's yep. two doors in the front, so driver, passenger, yeah, and then everything epic. rear is a camper. I mean, it's amazing. So I I, I see I see your vision for Apple. Uh, and yeah, for, so there's a couple people that are mm-hmm. out there that have done that. Um, Live, work, wonder. They, I think they've yep. got one. Yep. Um, They're cool people too. Yeah, so they definitely they have them out there. Now, the other part of that is I also want to long travel Apple. I, I want to long travel <laughs> Apple. I saw a fourth gen. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, buddy of mine's got a fourth gen. Um, we we call him Firefinger. He's a welder. I don't know what his Instagram. <laughs> It should be that. It should be that. It should be, yeah. Firefingers, it should be his name. But anyway, um, he's got a fourth gen, and he's got... He's got a long travel setup on it from ADS, which is a really nice deal. And then he's also got uh, 35-inch skinnies from Kendra or Kenda. Oh, yeah. And so that long travel setup's good. And then there's another guy, RSG Off-Road, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, that just put a Tundra 5.7 in the 4Runner 5th Gen. I didn't know you could stuff that in there. Yeah, so if I do a 5.7... And do there it is right there. If I do the five seven and do the um, the uh, the long travel setup, as you can see, he's got solid axle on the front of that. But wow. yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know, man. The the possibilities are endless whenever you have the money. I just don't have the money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> my question for you, my question for you with wanting long travel is, why would you want long travel? So, okay, so when I did my first trip on the Transamerica Trail, I had this idea in my head that I wanted to do 95 through the desert. So I had a Tundra, and I did a full icon setup on it to where I could do 95 in the desert from SDHQ off-road. And I got seven to nine miles to the gallon just driving regular on the city. So I decided that wasn't going to be the truck that I needed to take onto a 12,000-mile trip. So I traded it in and got the 4Runner, and the primary reason I wanted the 4Runner 2 was so I could sleep in the back of it. Yeah. So my long travel, after doing like 60 in the desert and 70 in the desert, just something about a long travel truck, just being able to jump it and and just, you know, slide through the whoops of the desert. Sure. Man, is, <laughs> Something that I've always wanted to do. And to be honest, once I long travel it, I'd probably get tired of it and go back to like a mid-travel style setup. <laughs> exactly. After hearing all the noise it makes and the creaks and the cracks and the 
and and the constant you know rebuilding of shocks and bullshit that you have to deal with. Yeah, I'd probably end up just going back, but it'd be worth a shot. Yeah. Well, have you ever had anything long travel? I had a mid travel Ford Ranger that I built. That was my first like pre runner truck. So I had Ford like, and Rangers. <laughs> Ford fucking Ranger. So I had like I think I had like twelve to thirteen inches. I had like 12 to 13 inches, bad. and then I had uh, some Devers in the back. So I had close to 15 or 16 in the rear with a hoop and everything. Um, it was fun, but you just blow through everything. Everything gets worn out twice as fast. And the, Race car shit. The, yeah, exactly. It's like the people the people that buy Icon <laughs> suspension for their forerunners and complain that they have to rip, they have to revalve it and redo the O-rings after 12,000 miles. It's like – Race car shit. You're buying race car stuff. You're buying products that perform. Yeah. Yeah. You can't buy That's a it. track tire and drive across the country. It, it lasts for two laps and you're done. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, I had I had the you know the fun stuff where you go fast and the, the margin for error is so slim and you can screw up so quickly. That's that's my only factor is like you have to be able to just be able to walk away from something like that because it can happen quick. Yeah. Yeah, so I've I've done motorcycles for a long time and after the last wreck I had on motorcycles that I almost didn't walk away from, I was like, mm. you know what? Let me just stick to building out trucks. I raced cars whenever I was younger, so that I did a little bit of that. I did circle track racing and, and what they call legend cars. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these cars, but they basically use 1250 Yamaha motors. Um, they're like small reproduction um, sedans. They race them Charlotte, uh, Texas. They race them all over. Um, but anyway, those were fun. So I raced those. And then whenever I got my driver's license, I got into uh, drag racing. Mm -hmm. I did the Ford Mustang thing for a while where we doing drag races and shit like that. Sure. So I've always kind of had that, uh, that, that performance in me and always wanted something that, you know, could just, just beat the shit out of and, and just take it out there and just, yeah, (laughs) uh, just, whip it you know what yeah, i mean for sure. yeah no, for sure this forerunner's done a pretty damn good job i mean i've beat the shit out of this thing over one hundred twenty-five thousand miles and i have done every bit of 75 in the desert i haven't quite done 90 but i probably could if i would have just hit the gas a little bit harder yeah. but ultimately she is shaped like a brick you know what i mean yeah and she's yeah. only got the v6 in her um she makes some noises now whenever we pull into parking lots but you know she's <laughs> She's earned it. Just tell her to stop talking back. Yeah. Just just making this weird clunk I've been chasing down for since 2016. I've been chasing down this weird clunk on the front end. And, uh, yeah, I've replaced tie rod ends, control arms, um, replaced the entire suspension, and still chasing it down. The only thing that I could think that I haven't re- – oh, I replaced the uh, the needle bearing bushing. Uh, the only thing that I could think that this clunk is is uh, steering rack bushing, which mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand in the 5th Gen 4Runner is a bit of a task. So we're just going to let it roll. You know? <laughs> <laughs> until, until it gets – I mean, shit, we've been – you know, like I said, it's it's been a couple years now that we've been chasing this thing down. Yeah. And uh, – Still rolling on strong. She's I was good. hoping that when I took the sway bar off, it would go away, but <laughs> apparently it didn't. 
Just keep taking off. But if the you parts. turn the radio up and go fast <laughs> enough, you don't even notice it. <laughs> yeah, that fixes a lot of sounds in your vehicles. Just turn the radio yeah. up a little louder. Good. No, no problem. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's an awesome one to end it on. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, man. That was a whole yeah. lot of fun. You're uh, you definitely won the most epic background. Uh, I'm yes. still nice. I, I still think you might have downloaded it if you didn't show us the actual panoramic view, but yeah, it here, does look like. Again, oh yeah, it is. Yeah. So it, what it, we got here? I don't know. Can you guys see that box? Uh. Uh-uh. No. The box. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. See the box. So when we got here, that was you couldn't see that box. It was completely above or below the water line there. So this lake is uh, is draining fast. Interesting. And if you look this place up on the satellite images, it's, there is not a lake here. It's just a bunch of people doing donuts out in the middle of uh, ah. dirt. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, I've had a I've had a fantastic time, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, and anytime y'all want to uh, have me on to shoot the shit with you, I'd be more than happy to come on. It's been blessed. Awesome. Yeah, man. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Well, y'all have a good rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>